little something here and there, the Dalai Lama continued as he peered raptly at his pirouetting fingers. That at least I'm able. But for computer, he clumsily punched the table a few times with his forefinger. Hopeless. As the press conference ended, journalists crowded around to shake the Dalai Lama's hand. The European woman was among them. He walked up to her, thrust his face inches from hers, and poked a finger firmly in her forehead. She shrieked. Her right hand shot out in a flash and grabbed his hand. The two of them laughed uproariously without inhibition. These days, in the eyes of the world, the Dalai Lama has become an international icon. The fact that he is the leader of the Tibetan people, that he is the most recognizable symbol of Buddhism, is of less importance to the public. In the West, he comes across as part ascetic superstar and part cuddly panda bear. When he came to New York in 2003, he gave a four-day teaching to sell out crowds at the Beacon Theater. The glittering marquee over the entrance proclaimed, On stage, the Dalai Lama, coming soon, Twisted Sister and Hot Tuna. The day after the teachings, the Dalai Lama gave a talk at Central Park. Under a brilliant sky, the East Meadow was blanketed with loyal fans, spiritual seekers, and the simply curious. An enormous stage bracketed by two gigantic videotrons was erected for the occasion. Those who couldn't find space in the grassy fields had to peek through dense foliage from beyond the tree line. All told, a hundred thousand came for the event of the season. It was a mini Woodstock choreographed by actor Richard Gere. Only Billy Graham and the Pope have drawn more people in Central Park. The Dalai Lama was in good form that day. Standing just a few feet behind him, I could sense he was energized by the large crowd. As usual, he was self-deprecating, his humor gentle, and his laugh hearty. Speaking without notes, he told his listeners, Some of you come with certain expectations of Dalai Lama. The Nobel Peace Laureate gives some kind of exciting information or something special. Nothing. I have nothing to offer, just some blah, blah, blah. But then he went on to reiterate a favorite theme. We have to make every effort to promote human affection. While we oppose violence or war, we must show there is another way, a non-violent way. Now look at humanity as a whole. Today's reality, whole world almost like one body. One thing happens some distant place, the repercussions reach your own place. Destruction of your neighbor as enemy is essentially destruction of yourself. Our future depends on global well-being. Within a few minutes, he had the crowd's undivided attention. A Tibetan photographer, obviously in awe of the Dalai Lama, whispered into my ears, he doesn't need to read from the teleprompter. He is a living example of his wisdom, wisdom totally relevant to today's world. I was curious if the Dalai Lama ever wondered why he is such a people magnet. In one of my interviews with him, I said, I'd like to ask you a silly question. The Tibetan leader was sitting cross-legged, as usual, in his corner armchair in the audience room inside his residential compound in Dharmasala, India. Why are you so popular? What makes you irresistible to so many people? 
The Dalai Lama sat very still, mulling the question over. He didn't brush my question aside with a joke, as I thought he might. He was thoughtful as he replied. I don't think myself have especially good qualities. Oh, maybe some small things. I have positive mind. Sometimes, of course, I get a little irritated. But in my heart, I never blame, never think bad things against anyone. I also try to consider others more. I believe others more important than me. Maybe people like me for my good heart. Now I think at the beginning, they have curiosity. Then, perhaps, usually when I met someone for the first time, that's someone not stranger to me. I always have impression, he another human being, nothing special, me too, same. He rubbed his cheeks with his fingers and continued. Under the skin, same nature, same kinds of desires and emotions. I usually try to give happy feeling to the other person. Eventually, many people talking something positive about me. Then more people came, just follow reputation, that also possible. The Dalai Lama has his own inimitable way with the English language. I had trouble understanding him when I first sat down to work on the book with him. He could be frustratingly cryptic at times. Eventually, I got used to his manner of speaking and am now thoroughly entranced by its charm and directness. Sometimes when people come into contact with you, I said, even without hearing you speak, just by watching you, they get emotional. Why? I notice sometime, one singer or one actor, the Dalai Lama replied. When they appear, some people almost like crying, jumping and crying. Similar. He bopped up and down on his chair and flapped his arms a few times. You're like a rock star, I said. Yes, the Dalai Lama said matter-of-factly. But there may be other factors. We believe in other lifetimes in the past. So maybe some karmic link, something more mysterious. He frowned and looked into the distance. I had the impression he was trying to figure out for himself this more subtle explanation of his charisma. He unwrapped his outer shawl and rearranged it around his torso. Finally, he said, Now this mysterious level. For example, some people get strange dreams. Then that dream opened new future or new life or new connections with other people. He pointed at me as he continued with his train of thought. Your own case. Somehow, unexpectedly, something brought you here. That kidnap in Afghanistan. If that not happened, you may not be here. Then you may not develop all these connections with me and with the Tibetans. So all these, I'm certain they have causes and conditions. From Buddhist viewpoint, there may be karmic links in many past lives. Perhaps that's why many people feel close to me today. Yes, that kidnap in Afghanistan. In 1971, after finishing college, I had bought a VW camper in Utrecht and planned to make my way overland from Holland to India. After traversing Turkey and Iran, I stopped and took a half-year break in Afghanistan, a haven then for dropouts and would-be adventurers. It was near the end of that sojourn when I and two young women, Cheryl from New York and Rita from Munich, were abducted in Kabul by three Afghan men. 
Wielding one rifle between them, they forced us into a badly rusted car and drove us to a small village high up in the Hindu Kush. After several days of captivity, we managed to escape when their car skidded on a hairpin curve and crashed into the side of the mountain. Soon after, Cheryl and I decided to travel together to India. The New Yorker had a letter of introduction to the Dalai Lama, who lives in exile in Dharmasala. We headed directly to the picturesque Tibetan settlement. A few days after our arrival, we were granted an audience. On a crisp, overcast spring day in March 1972, I met the spiritual and temporal leader of the Tibetan people for the first time. Fate, karma, whatever it is called. Yes, the Dalai Lama was right. If I had not been kidnapped, I certainly would not have met the Dalai Lama then let alone collaborate on a book and ask him questions about his charisma. Still pondering my question about his larger-than-life personality, the Dalai Lama continued, Also, many people like my laugh. But what kind of laugh, what kind of smile, I don't know. Many people have commented on this laughter, I said, this sense of play that you have. You're close to seventy, but you still love horseplay and you don't take yourself seriously. First, Tibetan people generally more jovial, the Dalai Lama said. In spite of many difficulties, they're usually ready to laugh, something like that. Then my family, all our brothers except for Gyalo Tandap, his second oldest brother, like that, the Dalai Lama said. Our eldest brother, Nobu, Tobten Jigme, always make fun, always joke. My immediate brother, the late Lobsang Samten, very dirty jokes, great fun. And me, then youngest brother Tenzin Chogyal, younger sister Jetsun Pema.